Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through his word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. Three peas in a pod. Brand new series this week. And so, looking at prayer, problems, and possessions. Three peas in a pod. Then the fourth Sunday of this month, we'll have a standalone message uh, after Thanksgiving. But today I'm honored to be kicking off this brand new series. And I'm going to be speaking on the issue, the topic, the theme of prayer. I do want to quickly say thank you to the care uh, demonstrated by you all as a congregation, to my family and the Mossgroves uh, for pastor's appreciation. We're grateful for your demonstrated care. Thank you again. That being said, I'm going to read from Daniel chapter 6 verse 1. will be our main text, Daniel chapter 6. Verse 1, you can, as always, find our sermon notes now through digital means, the Bible app under Church Events Dwelling Place Church, or on our Instagram page or Facebook. Daniel chapter 6, verse 1, it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps, to be over the whole kingdom and over these three governors of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them, so the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and the satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. I want to teach a message simply titled, Prayer, the Custom of the Wind. Prayer, the Custom of the Wind. And as always, I want to pray before I move forward. Father, in that holy name of Jesus, we thank you that in Him, and what that name represents is our righteousness, our open access and door into your holy presence, that He is the foundation, the cornerstone of your kingdom, your people, and the house that you're building, your dwelling place. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would take what Jesus has accomplished you would begin to apply it to hearts and minds that Father you would speak and that Christ would be glorified and your presence and nearness and greatness would be sensed. I yield to you Holy Spirit in Jesus name. Amen. The first mention of the topic of prayer is found in the first book of scripture. The book of the beginnings, Genesis. Let me explain. In Genesis 2 and verse 15, they'll put it up, but it says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Is this not the essence of prayer? Communicating with God. The essence of prayer is not complexity. The essence of prayer is simply communicating with God. And here you see communication taking place. But it's interesting 
to know that Scripture records in this first conversation between God and the first man, Adam, that in the record of this moment, God did all the talking and the man, Adam, did all the listening. God did all the instructing. God did all the talking. Man did all of the listening. See, prayer is simply listening to and talking to God, our Creator. Prayer is simply communicating with God. Notice that God's communication to the first man, Adam, these instructions were directional. These instructions were related to Adam's scope of purpose. It it was related to why Adam was created. It was big picture things. See, oftentimes people, I think, make a miscalculation or have a misunderstanding when it comes to prayer and they start with prayer being about just the most pressing thing that they're facing in life. When you look at the book of the beginnings and you look at Genesis and you look at the first record of prayer and communication with God, you find God doing all the talking, man doing all the listening, and you see God is communicating big picture things like why you exist, why I made you, and what is the scope and the place that I've assigned for you to be. I believe that then it's from that that God, of course, wants to move forward and speak to maybe what is pressing or what we're facing in this moment. But so often people get focused on the immediate need and they're missing the bigger need of, why did God create me? What what is the purpose God has for me? What is the place that God has assigned for me? Let me make this point. Holy things start with the Holy God. Oftentimes people misunderstand when it comes to the topic of prayer. They think prayer starts with us. Or they think prayer starts with our problems. Or our prayer starts with our difficulties or with our emotions or what we're experiencing. And in the beginning you find out that Scripture paints a different picture that because prayer is a holy thing and holy things start with the Holy God, prayer therefore starts with God. And not only does prayer start with God, but prayer ends with God. Why is this? The reason prayer starts with God is it starts with God's desire to be with you. It it starts with God's desire to talk with you. Listen, you don't exist because you willed yourself to exist. You exist because God wanted you to exist. And therefore, because you exist and God wanted you to exist... You exist and God wants to talk with you. He wants to have a relationship with you. So when it comes to the issue of prayer, we need to understand that prayer starts with God. It's a holy thing. Prayer is a holy thing. And because it's a holy thing, it starts with the holy God. And then the end of prayer is God Himself as well. Holy things start with God and end with God. But watch this. Though they start with God and end with God, you and I, we are invited to get wrapped up in God in between. God is inviting you and I 
into something that starts with Him and ends with Him, but He's inviting us to get wrapped up in Him in this holy thing called prayer that starts with Him and ends with Him. Next, Scripture alludes to the reality that prayer took place between Adam and Eve and and God as they went about walking in that purpose that God had given to them. That purpose being in Genesis 2.15, it says that God took of the man He created and He put him in a garden to keep and tend it. And Scripture alludes that as Adam went about doing the purpose in the place that God had assigned and placed him, as he went about tending and keeping the garden that God had placed him in, that as he went about doing it, communication with God took place. This is what was natural to Adam. This is what was common to Adam. In Genesis 3 and verse 8, it alludes to this because it says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the way Scripture says that, it's alluding to the fact that that was not uncommon. It was not uncommon for God to come down and walk and communicate and talk and listen to Adam as Adam went about his day doing the purpose that God had given him in the place that God had put him. That was common. That was what felt normal. But then something changed as we continue to read. This time in Genesis 3.8, the Lord comes down. They hear the sound of Him walking in the garden in the cool of the day. But Adam and his wife, instead of drawing near and talking or listening to God, it says Adam and Eve, his wife, hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden. And I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Now notice this. Don't miss this. In the beginning, Adam and Eve prayed and communicated with God as they went about in the context and purpose God had placed them. But after their lawlessness and sin... Adam and Eve hid themselves from the presence of God even in the place that God had put and assigned them. Did you know that because of sin and lawlessness we can still be in the job that God has put us? We can still be finishing the degree that God has called us to? We can still be in the right place that God's assigned to us and be hiding from the presence of God. We can be hiding from prayer even though we're in the right place, the right job, the place that God's assigned for us. Here they are, now they're hiding from their relationship with God even though they're in their God-assigned context and purpose. Why? Because now they're experiencing emotions that God never intended for them to experience. They're, in, they're experiencing insecurity. They're experiencing inferiority. They're experiencing fears. They're experiencing circumstances that were keeping them from the place of prayer. They're experiencing things now that was keeping them from feeling most pressing, most normal, the desire to pray, the desire to communicate with God, the desire to listen with God. Now, Contrast what we just looked at in the book of the beginnings called Genesis with what Jesus said in the days of His ministry on the earth about prayer. 
Watch this change. In Matthew 6 and verse 5, Jesus said, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have the reward. But you, disciples, followers of me, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask. What do we see here? Because of sin, because sin has happened, what was once natural for us is no longer what feels most natural to us. What was once natural for Adam and Eve as they go about their day, as they go about the place and the purpose God has given them, as they go about the place that God has assigned for them, it was natural for them as they went about their day to communicate with God, to listen to Him, to walk with Him, to, to hear from Him, to talk to Him. But now sin has happened. And now what used to feel natural to us as we go about our day to walk with God, talk with God, listen to God, no longer feels most natural to us. Therefore, Jesus said, because something has happened, if you ever want to walk in the Spirit, if you ever, as you go about your day, want to walk with God, He says, you have to go into a room in your house, shut the door, get alone with the Father, and pray to the Father in secret. Why? Because He's saying that as you go about your day, it will not feel most natural to you to walk with God and talk and commune with God. And because you'll experience fears, you'll come against circumstances, you'll have to deal with people and pressure and problems and possessions that will absolutely keep you from an awareness of walking with God in prayer. And so what Jesus is saying, if you want to get back to what was God's intent from the beginning that Adam and Eve as they went about their job as they went about their life as they went about the context of where God had placed them and God walked with them and they listened and God talked and, and then they talked back to God if you want that type of walk it's only going to be possible if you first go in the secret place shut the door and pray to the Father who sees in secret. It's only those who do that and have a habit of doing that that are able as they go about their day, as they go about their job, as they go about their context, as they go about their purpose, who will be able to walk with God. Be able to walk with God. Because sin has happened and what was once natural for us it's no longer what feels most natural to us. Now, what feels most natural to us as we go about our day is fears and insecurities or temptations or distractions. Just like Adam and Eve, after sin happened, they went about their day, but then they were covering themselves with fig leaves. We go about our day, but we cover ourselves with busyness. We cover ourselves with actions. We cover ourselves with schedules. And now... What feels most natural to us is not walking with God and talking with God and praying to God. It's covering ourselves and doing what Adam and Eve did. We hide ourselves from the presence of God and from the place of prayer and communing and walking with God. We hide ourselves, watch this, 
even in the very place God has placed us. Even in the very job that God has given us. Even in the very context that God has called us to. Now we hide ourselves from God's presence doing the very thing that God has called us to. See, now we're vulnerable to hide from such prayer. We hide ourselves in our work. We hide ourselves in our striving alone. And so Jesus says, no, 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 you got to understand. We're not living in the garden that we read about in Genesis anymore. And therefore, if you're going to experience that communion of walking with God and that life of sort of praying without ceasing that we read about in Genesis, you're going to have to first go alone in the secret room and pray in secret to the Father who sees in secret if you ever want to outwardly as you go about your day. Walk with God. Commune with Him. And it's such people that get up from that place, that secret place, and have that habit of praying alone in the secret place to the Father that are able, as they go through life, go throughout their day, to not be distracted by the emotions they experience, by the enemy's voice of temptation, by the trying problems and the complexity and pitfalls of worldly possessions. And this brings us back to our main text found today in the book of Daniel. Let me say now that if you're not familiar with the book of Daniel, that as you read the entire book, there are a couple themes that you'll notice that show up consistently. And here's some of them. The kingdoms of this world. Nations, kingdoms of this world. But then, the Antichrist spirit that seeks to work throughout the kingdoms of the world. That there is the devil in his kingdom that seeks to work through the systems of this world and the leaders of this world, you'll find the topic of understanding and wisdom. And you'll find the theme and the topic of prayer and fasting. In Daniel 6 and verse 1, our main text, let's look at it again. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps, to be over the whole kingdom and over these three governors of whom Daniel was one of the three, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would, watch this, suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. Notice Daniel had an excellent spirit. Daniel had an excellent spirit, and the excellent spirit was in him. Watch this. Excellence was not just something he did. He had an excellent spirit in him. How do you get an excellent spirit? Watch this. You get an excellent spirit through excellent habits. The reason Daniel had an excellent spirit in him is because he had excellent habits. See, excellent habits go hand in hand with character. Go hand in hand with character. You not only get an excellent spirit through excellent habits, but you keep an excellent spirit through excellent habits. So if excellent habits is pivotal, is key in order to have an excellent spirit, the question you and I are faced in with is how do you get an excellent spirit? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you. There's certain things I could say about this, but I just want to mention one. It's to get an excellent spirit through excellent habits is you seek out learning from those who already have 
established in their life, that excellent habit. And the amazing things about the days we live in with printing press and technology is you don't necessarily have to get around them if you just get access to their books, their curriculum, their things that, that they have where you can learn what they have learned and what they've been through in order to get that excellent habit. That excellent habit. Now, some of us are fortunate though that we can move beyond books and just reading. Some of you got people that you work with, or you got neighbors, you got friends, you got family members who got excellent habits. So you have the blessing of not just learning from their stuff or learning from them far away. You can actually observe them. So the way you get excellent habits is you learn from and you get around people who have such habits. Now let me talk about the systems of this world. The systems of this world and its leaders do not oppose the excellence of the Spirit of God when it benefits them. So we see here in the book of Daniel. Daniel is a follower, a devoted follower of the one true God. And yet Daniel is in high leadership in the system of this world. He's in high leadership in a government system of this world. He's around unbelievers. He's, around, he's in a kingdom that doesn't even acknowledge the one true God. And yet, there he is in a place of leadership. Why? Because listen to me. The systems, according to this world and its leaders, do not oppose the excellence of the Spirit of God when it benefits them. And because Daniel had an excellent spirit in him, the excellent spirit in him allowed what he put his hand to, to be done well, which benefited the king and the nation. And the king and the nation then had no problem in Daniel's excellent spirit when it benefited them. Another thing when it comes to the systems of this world is jealous, self-seeking, conspiring men and women within the systems of this world always seek to tear others down if it helps them move up. Now you say, Pastor Chad, why are we talking about the systems of the world? Because unless you're been led to start your own company and lead your own company, you probably work in one of the systems of this world. You work in a system of this world. You work in a field that is not necessarily founded upon nor motivated by the Spirit of God and the desires of God. And Jesus tells his followers, he says, be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. As you go about in the systems where I've placed you, when you go about doing the purpose and the work where I've placed you, you can't go about being naive. you got to go about being wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. Paul, when he wrote to the Corinthians, he said, listen, as followers of Jesus, don't be naive of the devil's tactics. And so you got to understand how the systems of this world work, whether it's healthcare, whether it's finance, whether it's education, whatever system or field of this world, how it works. You see this in the story in Daniel 6 and verse 6. It says, So these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and the satraps, the counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute 
and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. Why did he sign it? He didn't even come up with it. He signed it because it was presented in a way that would benefit the king. And here is Daniel. Don't miss it. Here is Daniel right in the midst of the system. Here is Daniel right in the midst of a kingdom of this world. And yet, Daniel 6.10 says, Now when Daniel knew, everybody say knew, that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room, with his windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom. Everybody say custom. Since early days. Don't miss it. Notice Daniel gets new news. He now knows something and yet now the new news, the new knowledge, what he knows doesn't stop his habit. Think about it. He gets new news, but the news didn't stop his habit. See, here's the point. Habits went out over knowledge. Habits went out over knowledge. Daniel gets knowledge that now it's against the law to pray to the one true God. That it's against the law to pray to anybody other than to beseech the king of his day. And yet that knowledge didn't stop his habit. See, habits win out over knowledge every time. I have been around enough people. I've observed enough people. I am a person myself. I've observed myself enough. I've been around the church. I've had enough people go through growth phases. I've preached to enough. I've taught enough. I've been in the local church enough to know this. It's not just a matter of what you know nor the knowledge you have that determines how you act or react in a situation. Your habit will win out. It's your habits, not what you know. It's your habit that will determine how you act or react when you get new news, when you face a new problem, when you face a new circumstance. Habits and character go hand in hand. And the news that Daniel got didn't change his habit. Why? Because watch this. It was in him an excellent spirit. That habit, that excellent spirit was in him so the news he got outside of him didn't change what was in him. Is that not your desire as a follower of Jesus? That regardless of news of what you get, that regardless of what's happening in culture and the world around us, that our habits in Christ still prevail. That it's not news that dictates how we act, how we react. It is our God and following Him and the habits we have that determine how we act and react. Here's another thing to understand from this story is that previous days determine what we are open towards today. Daniel's previous days and the habits that were formed in previous days determined 
what he did and what he was open towards that day when the news came. And it says that when he got news, he went back to his house, he went to his upper room, and he had the windows open towards Jerusalem. Listen, the news that Daniel got didn't close him off to God's wind and for his windows of his soul being open to move forward in God's will for his life. Is that not your desire? That no matter what news, no matter what laws, no matter what plans happen in the systems of the world around us, we stay open to the heavenly Jerusalem. We have the windows of our soul open to the wind of God, still moving us towards our purpose in Christ Jesus. Anybody with me this morning? So change the habits. Change the direction of your future. Change the habits, change the direction of your future. Change your habits, change what you'll be open to. Some of you maybe in this season of your life, you, you were surprised by how you were open so easily to wrong ideas or so open to temptation or open to, to being you know, weary by circumstances or, or just getting so distracted by the complexity of possessions and, and handling finances and all that. Well, listen, change the habit and you'll change what you're open to. Established habits sustain you when crosswinds blow. Here is Daniel facing a new crosswind, a new law, something that's contrary than the direction that God wants for him to go. And yet that crosswind didn't overcome Daniel. Why? Because he had an established habit. And the momentum of God's Spirit and the momentum of his established habit was greater than the contrary wind that he was facing. Paul, when he talks about us maturing into the image of Christ in Ephesians 4, he says that the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting men and women come up with teachings, they come up with things, and he calls them winds of doctrine. That there's crosswinds, there's contrary winds to the word of God and the will of God and the plan of God and they seek to make us unstable they seek to toss us to and fro how do you and I as followers of Jesus not get tossed to and fro when contrary winds blow you got to have established character by established habits here is Daniel crosswinds blowing but the momentum of God's spirit and this habit of prayer in his life doesn't cause him to give in to the contrary wind. No, it, he propels right through it. And he stays open towards Jerusalem. He stays open towards the will of God. He stays open towards the wind of heaven. His established habit of prayer was like a gust of wind moving him still towards the place of prayer. It was against the law for him to pray and yet the established habit was greater than that new news. That established habit moved him still to pray to the one true God. His habit of prayer was like the draft that comes in from an open window. His habit kept him open to move forward in God despite the new knowledge, despite the new news, despite the new decree, despite the new law. His habit kept him open to move forward in the things of God. The wind of his habit was stronger than the contrary wind. Is that not our desire? That whatever we face, 
in the future, whatever we face today, that the wind of the habits of Christ in our life are stronger than any contrary winds of culture, any contrary opinions of culture. Hallelujah. And one phrase you got to catch is it says, as was His custom since early days. Listen, young people. An early day habit is like a draft of heavenly wind in the latter days of your life. If you'll get an early habit, godly habit, it will be like a wind of heaven in the latter days of your life. It was his custom. You young people, if you'll get a habit of prayer in your younger days, it will carry you, the momentum of it will carry you in the latter days regardless of what you face. There's a momentum. God's spirit in the custom and in the habit of prayer. We see also in the story of what happens in times when the outcome of the laws of a system becomes more powerful than the intent of the leader. In Daniel 6 and verse 14 it says, And the king, when he heard these words, what words? You remember the people who went to the king, the conspiring men and women, who will always tear down others in the system if it helps them advance? And they went and they got the king to sign the decree that for 30 days no one could petition any other god but other than the king. And they did it because they were jealous of Daniel. And so Daniel gets the news, but the news and the wind of the news ain't stronger than the momentum and the wind of God in the habit of prayer. So he marches right home. He gets on his knees as his custom three times to pray with his windows open towards Jerusalem, and he prays. So they catch him. And they go back to the king. They said, hey, didn't you sign this decree? They said, yeah. I said, well, that Daniel that you have in leadership, he's praying. And it says here in six, Daniel 6, verse 4, when the king heard these words, he was greatly displeased with himself. And he set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men approached the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and Persians that no decree or statue which the king establishes may be changed. So the king gave the command and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke saying to Daniel, Your God whom you serve continually, He will deliver you. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signets of his lords that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. Now the king went to his place and spent the night fasting and no musicians were brought before him and also his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. Here we see that the outcome of this law, this law of the system, has become more powerful than the actual intent of the leader. The, the king didn't want anything bad to happen to Daniel. Why? Because Daniel had an excellent spirit in him, and Daniel profited the king. But now a law was in place that was in the end, went against the intent of the leader. But he couldn't change the law. So he's up all night, he's anxious, he's worried, he's fasting for Daniel. Yet he couldn't change the law. And so he has no sleep, he gets up early, he runs to the den of lions, and then it says in Daniel 6.23, 
the king was exceedingly glad for him. The king got there, he called out, said, Daniel, did your God deliver you? And Daniel spoke up, and so the king was exceedingly glad. And watch this, he commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no injury, whatever was found on him. Here it is, because he believed in his God. He believed in his God. Why did Daniel get up out of that den? Because he believed in his God. But listen to me. This is where so many of us miss it. It's very hard to believe when crosswinds hit if we do not already have through the habit of prayer the momentum and pattern of a heavenly wind in our life. So many people, so many brothers and sisters, I see them. I watch them for years as a pastor, right? If they stay around, I observe their life. And so many people are living, not what they know, but they're living with this belief because you can watch their actions. They believe that they can wait until they find themselves facing a crosswind. They can wait until they find themselves in a den of lions. They can wait until they find themselves having issues with possessions or problems in life and then get enough momentum from heaven and the wind of God to believe through that difficulty. And that's not what Scripture exhorts for us. Jesus in Scripture exhorts us is that before we hit the crosswind, before we face a problem, before we face the den of lines, we need to already have a habit and a custom of prayer. That having the habit and custom of prayer before we hit the problem will allow us to be in a place to believe. To believe. See, if we have the custom of prayer established before we hit a problem, before we have difficulties with the area of our possessions, with with problems that we never knew we would face, watch this, we will have momentum in the right direction to navigate through the potential pitfalls and problems and possessions. Now you say, now wait a minute, Pastor Chad, I found myself, I faced before, I've hit problems. I've hit the complexity and the issues of possessions and I was unable to believe God in the midst of that crosswind. Well listen, here's then how God uses that and wants to use it. If we do not have the custom of prayer established before we hit a problem or have difficulties with our possessions, the true need then becomes moving towards establishing a habit of prayer. So when pitfalls when problems with the complexity of possessions in life revealed to us our inability to believe and trust God, watch, then the true need in that moment is to let our problems and our possessions lead us to establish a custom of prayer. God can use what maybe has currently been exposed as an inability to trust Him to believe Him, He wants to use it now to lead you to get established in your life a custom of prayer. So that the next time you face a problem, the next time you face issues with possessions, you have the momentum of a habit of prayer, the momentum of being open to God's Spirit, that when crosswinds hit you, they don't keep you from believing, but you're able to move through it, trusting in your God to deliver, to work, to be with you. Can I hear an amen? Now let me humbly remind all of us that are here and those that are listening and the nations of the world that in the end, 
Those who set the traps will be the ones in the trap. That all men everywhere, all persons everywhere will give an account to their Creator. That there will be accountability in the end. That every individual will stand before the righteous judge, God Almighty. That in the end, righteousness will be served, justice will be served. That those in the end who set the traps will be the ones in the trap. There will be accountability. In Daniel 6.24, we see it how it plays out in Daniel's story. It said, and the king gave the command. And they brought those men who had accused Daniel. And they cast them into the den of lions. Them, their children, and their wives, and the lions overpowered them. And broke all their bones in pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. Now watch this, New Testament followers of Jesus. Don't miss it. Even in the Old Testament here with Daniel, Daniel didn't have to lift a hand. See, in the end, we don't have to take matters into our hand. All matters in the end will come into the Almighty's hands. And every person in the end will give an account and will stand in the hands of Almighty God. They will be weighed in the balance of Him and who there is no deceit, there is no unrighteousness, there is no even temptation of sin. God who is pure and holy in all things that are lovely and beautiful. Hallelujah. Now I want to mention something that we skipped over in the story in, in Daniel 6 and verse 4. It says, So the governors and the satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could not find no charge or fault because he was faithful. Nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, We shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Listen, friends, followers of Jesus. This is the goal for us as followers of Jesus Christ. That in our dealings with the systems of this world and our dealings with the people in the systems of this world, this is the goal. That if they're going to find fault with us, they can only find fault with us when it comes to us obeying the will of God and following Jesus the King. That they can't find fault in us like you can find fault with unbelievers. They don't find fault in us being dishonest, lacking fidelity, lacking integrity, not speaking the truth, slandering, gossiping. No, no, no. This is the go, brothers and sisters. That if the systems of this world and its leaders find fault with us, they can only find fault when it comes to us obeying the culture of the King, Jesus Christ, and the culture of His kingdom. Can I hear an amen? Now I want to mention again the phrase custom since the early days. I want to encourage all parents in here, listen, I know the difficulty of being a parent. I know the reality of what I said earlier that we can be good in a lot of things that don't make us great in everything. And so there's areas of dependence and as parents so often it's the perfect context to reveal the areas in our life that we still need to grow in the image of Jesus Christ. But one thing, parents... One thing of love towards God that it can overcome a lot of our faults 
is to teach our kids early in life that custom that Daniel had from his early days. To teach them the habit of prayer. To teach them the habit of growing an awareness that there is an unseen reality, an unseen world. The habit and the custom of growing an awareness that there is an unseen God that though they can't see it, His ever near. His ever watching and beholding them. That though they can't see His hand, His mighty hand is there. The early custom of doing what Peter said, if you'll humble yourself under that mighty hand in due time, He'll lift you up. That if you'll humble yourself and have the custom of prayer, in the end, if it's God's will, there is no man, there is no system, there is no government, there is no one that can withstand the mighty hand of God. And if we'll get the early custom of prayer and we'll humble ourselves under that mighty hand, Peter said in due time, God's mighty hand to lift us up. Hallelujah. That we would see in this church, the next generation, we would display and model for them custom of prayer. Did you know that it's important if you're a new follower of Jesus, if you're new and seeking to know what it means to follow Jesus, it's important that in the early days of becoming a follower of Jesus Christ, you get the custom of prayer in your life. You're going to face opposition. You're going to face needed transformation. You're going to face... Uh, the enemy's plans to hinder and delay you. And as a follower of Jesus, early on in the days of following Jesus, you want to get established the custom of prayer. Why? Because the momentum of being open to the wind of heaven and keeping the windows of your soul open to the pattern of the wind of God so that when crosswinds blow, you'll still keep moving forward in the things of God. You'll still keep moving forward in God's will for your life. You'll still keep moving forward in what Jesus has for you. That you'll keep moving forward the promise of God that are yes and amen but did you know that there was a custom since the early days of the early church that there were customs in the early days of the early church of the New Testament church and you find there as a custom in the early days of the early church prayer and fasting notice you see in Daniel's life as a type of a custom that you see in the early days of the early church. Because I remember that when God gave outward birth to the New Testament church, as recorded in Acts chapter 2, that there were 120 people in an upper room. And there were three pillars named Peter, James, and John. And they waited and kept their soul open to the wind from heaven. And it said suddenly a mighty wind came from heaven. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. We come from a lineage in the New Covenant that it is custom to pray. It is custom to stay open to the wind of the Holy Spirit. We come from a custom of humbling ourselves and fasting and abstaining for food and drink for the purposes of God. This is a custom of the people of God. Just like Daniel had a custom and a habit of prayer, it was a custom in the early days of the early church to be a people that were prayerful, to be a people that were open towards the wind of heaven and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and to be open to humble ourselves with fasting. Daniel chapter 10 and verse 10, come on team. You see, 
It says suddenly. Can I tell you we still serve a God of suddenlies? Just like there was a suddenly in, uh, suddenly in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. Just like there was a suddenly in the life of Daniel. We still serve a God of suddenlies. And notice it says suddenly a hand touched me. Which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright. For I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come because of your words. Here an angel comes on behalf of God to Daniel. And you see here in this moment a simple but beautiful picture about prayer what is prayer he says from the first day you set your heart to understand prayer is where we seek to understand what's taking place in our life prayer is where we seek to understand what God's will is prayer is where we seek to get understanding and wisdom about things that we're facing issues that we're dealing with prayer is setting your heart to understand and to get God's wisdom but prayer notice he says on the first day to humble yourself. Prayer is humbling yourself under that mighty hand. That mighty hand that Peter said, if you'll humble yourself under the mighty hand, that mighty hand can lift you up. That promotion comes not from the north and the south and the east from the west, but it comes from mighty God. And He's got a mighty hand and prayer is where we humble ourselves under that mighty hand. We acknowledge our need of Him. And notice it says, I've come because your words were heard. I left that, that traditional, religious traditional uh, upbringing that I came from, the type of church I grew up in. I, I left that wrong theology when it comes to prayer a long time ago where I, people would say they were praying all the time and all they were doing were thinking. Thinking in their mind. No, 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 listen. Biblical prayer requires words to the Father. Jesus didn't think, I mean, God didn't think and create the heavens and the earth. He spoke and created the heavens and the earth and were made in His image. And prayer is offering words to the Father. And God can take the words we give to Him and He can absolutely begin to move mightily. He can move mountains. He can send His wisdom. He can give us understanding. He can lift us up. He's the God of breakthrough. But prayer is speaking our words to a perfect Father who has perfect love, who has perfect care for you and I. So prayer is seeking our heart to understand and to gain God's wisdom. And prayer is humbling ourselves. Prayer is speaking words to the Father. But lastly, I want to speak about kingdoms and kings. Kingdoms and kings, they stir up things. In fact, in Daniel 11.2, as the book of Daniel concludes, it says in Daniel 11.2 that there will be three kings and they shall stir up against the realm of Greece. In Daniel 11.10 it says, The sons, however, shall stir up strife. In Daniel 11.25 it says, The king of the south shall be stirred up to battle. Here's the point. That kings and their kingdoms have authority to stir things up. 
This is why the Antichrist spirit, that spirit of the devil in his kingdom that hates Jesus Christ, hates truth, hates the gospel, seeks to utilize kings and kingdoms to stir up strife, division, destruction, war. But brothers and sisters in Christ, I want to remind you that Jesus is the King of kings. And as followers, we're in Christ. We're in Him, the King. Therefore, we are a people. We are kings and priests in Christ. So you know what that means? As kings and priests in Christ, you and I also have the ability to stir things up. Except as the body of Christ, we're not called to stir up strife and stir up division and stir up that which causes war and strife and division. No, no, no. We're called to stir ourselves up in prayer, to offer words to the Father so that when contrary winds blow, when there's haters, the haters can't stop our habit of prayer. That we got a habit of prayer of offering words to the Father. And when hatred tries to stir up hatred in return, no, we do what God's called us to do. We bless those who curse us. We love our enemies. We're able to stay stirred up by the pattern of God's Spirit to walk and demonstrate the King of the Kingdom. We're stirring up hope. We're stirring up that salvation is still available in the name of Jesus. We're stirring up that there's a mighty hand that's greater than any hand of man. We're stirring up in prayer dependency upon God. We're stirring up in ourselves the need to depend upon God's understanding and wisdom. We're stirring up in prayer the wind of the Holy Spirit. We're stirring up the customs of the early church to be a praying people, to be a fasting people, to be a people whose windows of our soul are open to the wind of heaven. That we're not ashamed of the power of the gospel. We're not ashamed ashamed of the wind of the Holy Spirit we're not ashamed of the customs of the early days of the early church we're not ashamed that God still can do suddenlies He can suddenly restore marriages He can suddenly deliver people He can suddenly heal He can suddenly set the oppressed free He can suddenly shine light where there's darkness He can suddenly bring hope when there's despair He can suddenly surround people with songs of deliverance we're not ashamed that there is a wind from heaven that is the custom of the people of God. It is a wind that's greater than the temporary crosswinds of culture. It is a wind that's greater than the crosswinds of lies and deception and laws and decrees. And we're going to be established in the wind of God. We're going to be established and stirred up in the custom of prayer that no longer what we face, we're going to keep moving towards our heavenly Jerusalem. We're going to keep following the path of the righteous that winds upward. We're going to keep moving forward in the high calling in Christ Jesus that there is nothing of this world, no wind of this world that can stop a people stirred up in the habit of godly prayer. I wish you'd get stirred up out of your seats. I wish you'd just begin to offer some words to the Father. I wish you'd just begin to say, wind of God, Holy Spirit, start in me. Anoint me again to the custom of prayer. Anoint me again to the custom of fasting. Anoint me again to the suddenlies, God, of you breaking in, breaking in to the answers of my prayers, breaking in with understanding and wisdom where I need insight and direction. Oh, sweet anointing of God, stir me up to the custom of the early days. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org.